It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I am Brian Cat NFL on Twitter, and Paul is fanatic underscore pick. It's the third week of February, and this is when the bullets really start flying. Compensatory pitch picks are announced, then franchise tag, then NFL draft combine, pro days, and before you know it, it's going to be April, and Roger Goodell is going to be walking up to the podium. Paul and I are doing floating. seven. Oh yeah, He's no, uh, no, Goodell will be walking up to the podium, <laughs> and people will be floating toward him. So technically, I'm correct on that. Uh, Paul and I are doing a seven-round mock draft for the Dolphins, and unlike some other mock drafts we're going to do here over the next couple of weeks, this seven-round mock will have no trades. And this is what we would do if Paul was the GM or if I were were the GM. So we're going to have two dueling independent mock drafts with 14 players in each one. Maybe 14 players won't be there. Or or, or excuse me, maybe the Dolphins aren't going to draft 14 players overall, uh, move some picks around. But that's what we're mocking here today. So before we get to that, Paul, we it'd be unfair to do this without at least dipping our toe in the free agent water a little bit. Now, we're not going to go through a whole mock, but we are going to pluck two players off the free agent market. And for any listeners that think, well, that's not really fair, understand this. Last year, the Jets had uh, the opportunity to almost get three of the top five unrestricted free agents on the first day of free agency. Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, and almost Anthony Barr. So a lot of a lot of things up in the air, Paul. Who were your two top free agents? This is an easy one for me. I, I think one of the biggest things Miami needs to do this offseason, whatever they do at quarterback, is they need to fix the offensive line, which was a sieve last year. It's Whether you go Josh Rosen, you need to fix the offensive line and give him more time. Whether you end up going with Tua in the draft, you need to fix the offensive line. If you go any of the other shiny new quarterbacks in the draft, you need to fix the offensive line to give a young player a chance behind them. So for me, I I doubled down on the offensive line. As much as it sounds like Scherf may avoid the the franchise tag, I didn't take Scherf. I went ahead and took Joe Tooney. And to pair with Joe Tooney at guard, I also took Jack Conklin at right tackle because he – definitely will hit the free agent market if they can't come to a deal beforehand because there's no way that Tennessee is going to pass on both Tannehill and Derrick Henry and allow Jack, which will allow Jack Conklin to hit free agency because he can't get paid uh, staying in Tennessee. Probably not. And he's going to cost a lot of money and the Dolphins have the money to pay it. I'm also going to go with Jack Conklin as one of my two guys and I'm going to go on the other side of the football for the other one. Byron Jones is likely to leave Dallas because they've got a lot of money tied up in uh, Zeke Elliott after resigning him in the offseason or extending him in the offseason, excuse me. And you've got to think Dak Prescott's going to stay there too. And they've got three future Hall of Famers on the offensive line that they're paying very handsomely. So we're counting on this team for this exercise. For Paul, Jack Conklin, and Joe Tooney, and for me, I've got Jack Conklin and Byron Jones at cornerback. So, Paul, I'm going to throw it to you first. Walking up 
to the podium is Roger Goodell. Who is floating their way on the magic boat? Well, let's piss half our listeners off right away. I know we couldn't go with some of the guys that obviously would not be there. Um, so it's not like I'm going to sit here and say I'm going to take Joe Burrow or Jeff Okuda or Chase Young at number five overall. The way the draft fell to me on fan speak, offensive tackle Makai Becton, the man mountain himself. We now have a bookend pair of, of dynamic young offensive tackles between Becton and Jack Conklin along with Joe Tooney on that offensive line, three of the five starters are immediately upgraded to Pro Bowl caliber players. I'm happy as hell with this pick. He's one of the more interesting ones uh, going forward here. I stuck with the boring one, and that's Tua at number five. You know, I believe the Dolphins' infatuation with Tua is is real and has been for over a year. And he appears to be ahead of schedule with the medicals, whether you believe that that's smoke or not. Got to tell you, Jeff Akuda on the board, he's been growing on me, but I, I don't see a way that, that a positional player is going to overtake uh, the quarterback spot for me. Um, the word is the Dolphins like Justin Herbert, too. I don't buy it right now. I, and I can't see Chan Gailey coming out of retirement to get a quarterback that, quite frankly, I don't think fits their offense. So with my number 18 pick, best player on the board, and we actually had him in a previous mock of ours too. Actually, both of us had him at the number 18 pick, A.J. Epineza, the defensive end from Iowa. You know, Flores would have to be elated at this point to see A.J. Epineza on the board. It's He uncharacteristically went for – the big defensive ends last year uh, when he would Dolphins weren't signing anybody and they were giving players away. Um, but those edge players were Jadavian Clowney and Trey Flowers. So AJ Epineza at 6'5", 277, fits that same mold. Uh, just one sack in his first four games last year when he was expected to have a huge year, but came on strong at the end, finished with 11 and a half sacks. Watch some tape of him against Austin Jackson for USC. Austin Jackson's supposed to be a late first, early second round pick right now. He took him to town. He combines with uh, Christian Wilkins and Davin Gotcha to give them really something different on the edge position. Number 18 for me, uh, this is a guy that I don't expect to be available most likely, but it is possible given the way we've looked at the offensive tackles that go in the draft, some of the other players that go in the draft. And another mountain of a man fell to me at 18 that I absolutely have loved through this entire process, and that's Javon Kinlaw. Six sacks in the defensive tackle position. The man can push the pocket, and suddenly the trenches in Miami are taking shape to a dominant level to pair with Christian Wilkins and Davin Gotchow on that defensive side now. I'm very excited about this defense as it stands right now with only the Javon Kinlaw addition at this point if Kinlaw had been there for me I probably would have taken him myself but in in my mock uh, Epineza was the best one available at 26 my third pick so right now I've got Tua I've got AJ Epineza my third first round pick is going to be Alabama safety Xavier McKinney great value here at this spot could be everything that Brian Flores wanted Minka to be in moving around that defense you take a look at for years, what Devin McCourty did in New England is still doing and is actually a free agent this year. But 
a solid football player, can rotate between free safety and nickelback with Bobby McCain. It would be fun watching them uh, going back and forth. Smart player, hard hitter, very good football IQ coming from that Nick Saban defense. Makes a lot of sense here to, to give the Dolphins with Byron Jones and A.J. Epineza three major additions on the defensive side of the ball. For me at number 26, this is the spot that I went quarterback. Jordan Love, who I know not every Dolphins fan is enamored with, but he's going to be playing behind a line that we've already talked about. I've already upgraded three of the starting positions to, to Pro Bowl caliber, and he can come in, sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, compete with Josh Rosen, for the number two spot, see who can develop, add some add some flavor to that, and you can still go back to the well next year at quarterback if neither one of them pans out. But Jordan Love had a down year his senior year and is still widely talked about and anticipated to go in the first round here. Um, that says a lot about the talent level that Jordan Love has. I saw a lot of catchable balls get dropped by him, and I don't see that problem in Miami. We're both wide receiver and starting tight end or a strength when it comes to catching the ball. It'll be interesting to see if Miami's able to develop a run game as well. That's going to take even more pressure off either Rosen or Love if they take that spot behind that revamped offensive line. Nine out of 11 starters change from Utah State from one year to another. So let's recap here. After the first round, with no trades, I have uh, Tua, A.J. Epineza, and Xavier McKinney. Paul has Makai Becton. Javon Kinlaw and quarterback Jordan Love. Paul, starting out the second round, Dolphins pick 39th. I'll throw it back to you for that selection. This is where it gets even more fun for me. Now four out of five starters have changed on the Dolphins offensive line, and I'm adding another potential pro bowler to the mix here. Center Lloyd Cushenberry takes over immediately for Dan Kilgore and improves the play from that center position where now we only have one guard position that Michael Dieter, Jesse Davis can fight over all day long, and you've got four Pro Bowl caliber players around them. I went with Lloyd Cushenberry, and this Good is somebody choice. that we've liked a whole heck of a lot. I'm not surprised we have the same player here. Looks like a natural fit at the center position. Needs to tone up his body a little bit, but – 6'3", 315 pounds. If you want to see how quickly he can adapt to the NFL game, watch him in one-on-ones against Javon Kinlaw like he did during Senior Bowl week. I think Dan Kilgore gets the axe and the Dolphins save $3.5 million. So, yeah, I mean, as plug-and-play as you can get at the center spot. And if Cushenberry weren't here and Cesar Ruiz from Michigan were, I like Cushenberry more, but Ruiz would also be a – outstanding prospect there to potentially start from day one going down to 56 and I was tempted to go running back at 39 I was tempted to go running back at 56 but I'm going to pass on both of them and take offensive tackle Lucas Niang from uh, TCU 6'7 328 pounds we could be talking about Niang as one of the top you know 20 picks in this draft if not for a torn labrum this past year, he should be fine and should bounce back from that. Great movement skills for somebody at his size. And given that I've got Tua as a left-handed quarterback going number five and Jack Conklin 
protecting his blind side. Now you take Lucas Niang, and you now you've got your bookend tackles at at not quite the hefty price of a first round pick. Paul, who do you have? One of Brian Flores' favorite players. He's he's, he's talked about a lot uh, watching the NFL over the past couple of decades. Antoine Winfield, big favorite for him. His son, Antoine Winfield Jr., we'd be talking about as a lock for a first-rounder if he hadn't had some injuries throughout college. This is where I can take a little bit more injury risk for some of the Tua fans that aren't exactly a fan of my my mock so far. Antoine Winfield can move all over the secondary at a high level and be dominant out there. And, and, And this is a guy that plays the way Flores loves, and you can really mask things on your defense with Winfield on the field. So I take Winfield, even though he's a little undersized here out of Minnesota. Going down in the third round, Dolphins pick 70th overall. I'm tempted to keep riding that value train, but I've got to go running back here. I'm going to take Cam Akers out of Florida State. 20 years old, very good all-around game. Lamar Miller, he reminds me a lot of Lamar Miller without quite as much speed as Miller had. Everything with Miller was smooth. Everything with Akers is smooth, too. It's a miracle that he had over 1,100 yards this past year with Florida State and over five yards of carry when you take a look at how bad Florida State's offense was. And one thing that will allow him to get on the field very quickly, too, is he's pretty good in pass protection. or He's at least feisty in pass protection. So I think he's somebody you plug in week one in September, and and he's going to be the guy that's that's taking the majority of the carries carries for you. See, I went with a Cam here in the third round as well, but a different one at a different position in need. Cam Dantzler may not be the greatest tackler on the planet. He's very long, very lean, but the man can flat out cover players. I think it was you that put a stat out uh, recently which was against Alabama and against LSU combined, he allowed three passes for 21 yards against two of the most explosive passing offenses in all of football. And he did not get thrown at very often, and what went his way did not get completed very often. If you watch this kid play, he's a little outside the Flores mold in terms of his tackling ability, but Miami has some players that will make that up in spades, especially with Antoine Winfield in the secondary. And at this point, we've, we've revamped the trenches. We've revamped the secondary, added a starting corner opposite Xavier Howard, relegated Nick Needham to that fill-in role. And we've answered a lot of levels along, along both sides of the ball here. So at the end of day two, we've got six picks each. I've got quarterback uh, Tua. Defensive end, A.J. Epineza. Safety, Xavier McKinney. Center, Lloyd Cushenberry. Offensive tackle, Louis Niang. Running back, Cam Akers. Paul has offensive tackle, Mekhi Becton. Defensive tackle, Javon Kinlaw. Quarterback, Jordan Love. Center, Lloyd Cushenberry as well. Safety, Antoine Winfield Jr. Cornerback, Cameron Dantzler. Man, I'm wiped already, and we're not even halfway through our draft yet as we head into the third day. Here comes day. day three. <laughs> man, oh man! Uh, so you you take it here in uh, in the fourth round. Uh, who, who'd you go with? So in the fourth round, a lot of Dolphins fans will be very familiar with my pick here. I went to the U for 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 my 
fourth round pick and it's felt like forever since that pick in the early third round being that this is at the very end of the fourth round and out in those compensatory picks. I went to the linebacker position. We fixed a little bit along the defensive line. We fixed the, the secondary. We fixed the offensive line. We need a little bit of linebacker. And, and Shaq Quarterman out of Miami is not the fastest or most – or isn't the quickest linebacker out there. But the we've got speed at the linebacker position already. We need that thumper in the middle of the defense that – seems to turn up around the ball. Maybe he's not a sideline-to-sideline guy, but he's going to do nothing but make plays for you. You watch him in the Senior Bowl. He was all over the field, even though he's probably going to run a very disappointing 40. He's got the size. I love this pick for Miami. I really do, if you plug him into the middle of that defense. I stayed on the defensive side of the ball, too. I went with Ohio State defensive tackle Davon Hamilton out of a – 6'4", 327 pounds, might be able to replace John Jenkins if he's not re-signed. Powerful, battle-tested, solid rotational guy. If For nothing else, he'll replace Gerald Willis at the nose tackle spot. Up next, I went with another offensive lineman, which I know not everybody's going to love, but I immediately upgraded the utility lineman for Miami. Jack Driscoll out of Auburn started his career at UMass as a guard, sized up a little bit, kicked a tackle. When he graduated, he he had the opportunity to go to a lot of Division I schools, moved up seamlessly, and started another 20 games at, at the Div I level for Auburn. He can play right tackle. He can play left tackle. There's reports he's actually able to play a little bit of center, and he started out as a guard. So this is a guy that you've got now, if somebody goes down along your offensive line that is plug and play and may even compete with Jesse Davis, may compete with Michael Dieter, to potentially start on that offensive line that we've already revamped four of the five positions on. I love this pick, and I'm willing to bet that you do too. I also went with Jack Driscoll, and we shared our picks briefly before we went on air, and we can't believe that we both had Jack Driscoll at this exact same spot. I echo what you say there, and uh, watching him at Auburn, I've seen a lot of this guy, and the reason I started watching Auburn was to watch their left tackle, Prince Tega Wanagu, and we're going to get better with the names as we go along here, but I think I got that right, and Jack Driscoll is not the athlete that his counterpart is, but he's, I, I kept watching him, and I thought, you know, this guy on the right side at right tackle Never gets beat, and it was Jack Driscoll. And at six five, three hundred and five pounds, nothing wows you about him. But he's very, very, very good on tape, especially in pass protection. And he's somebody too that, at his size, might be able to kick in at, at, to right guard. So if you've got Jesse Davis at right guard and you've got Jack Conklin at right tackle, like both Paul and I have, then you could be looking at Driscoll as that utility man at, at that right guard, right tackle spot, as Paul was saying. With my second pick here in the fifth round, uh, after Jack, I, I went ahead and I took a pass rusher, an edge defender, somebody that's flying under a lot of radars for a lot of teams. This is a guy that revamped his body in the offseason leading into 2019. And, and with his athletic ability, 
suddenly was able to bend the edge. He went from, you know, a single digit sack guy and in the low single digits for his first three years to a 15 sack monster coming around the edge at, at Charlotte. And this is Alex Highsmith. He's a guy that can, can be that situational pass rusher for Miami and add that to some of the speed at the linebacker position. And Miami's defense is suddenly one that can get after passers, something that was a huge, huge, huge issue for them in 2019. Yeah, and in the fifth round, and keep in mind, and I want to warn everybody that we're talking about a player here or, or a pick that's late in the fifth round, and it's actually the Dolphins' 10th pick in the draft. But I'm going to go with uh, Braden Mann, the punter from Texas A&M. So this is somebody who is probably one of the best punters to come along in years. And we've been talking on this show about how Matt Hawk from week to week, you know, he has some Pro Bowl weeks, but he also has some weeks where he fields the ball at the 35 and he can't kick the ball 30 yards, even though it's an 80 degree day in Miami. So I like the idea of taking a punter here, and if all works out, you're going to get a top five to top ten punter very, very quickly, and it's going to make a big difference in field position. And somebody's going to be on your active 45 as well. Yeah, and up next, I finally answered or started to answer the running back position that we all know is a gaping hole on offense. Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vandy. He might only be 5'9", but he's still 205. He's compact. He's solid. He's a one-cut runner, which is everything we know that Flores wants in, in a running back. We know he doesn't want somebody that's going to dance around, dance around, dance around. He wants somebody to see the hole and go. And that's what Vaughn has been. I mean, he's averaged over five yards a carry uh, ever since 2016. He's been a very productive runner for these guys. He, he can catch the ball out of the backfield, which you need to be able to do in, in Shane Gailey's the offense. and really we need to fix the running back position and running behind this offensive line. There should be a crease on most plays the way that I've revamped it here. So Keyshawn Vaughn comes in. I think he's going to be a very, very good player for years to come with this offense that we built in Miami. I went double down at running back with Joshua Kelly out of UCLA best running back during senior bowl week. And it surprised a lot of people. And he leapfrogged in my opinion, Arizona State's Eno Benjamin, as well as P. Ryan from Florida. Very good burst, and sometimes vision and burst behind a good offensive line is really all that you need. He can also pass protect very well, too. He could immediately be the second best running back on the team behind, or ahead of, excuse me, uh, Kalen Balaj, which is pretty easy. Miles Gaskin, who impressed pretty well lately it would be an interesting battle there and maybe even Patrick Laird too and Patrick Laird could be relegated specifically to a third down role in this offense in the sixth round here I, I actually went ahead and looking at Miami's roster I, we know our starting tight end is locked in a Mike Kosicki even though he can't block anything except people on Twitter Colby Parkinson out of Stanford is a very underrated tight end. He's more of a receiving threat than a blocker, but he's a little bit better blocker than we see in Gasicki. At six foot seven, two forty-five, 
Colby Parkinson does a beautiful job of shielding defenders from the ball and high-pointing it. If you watch his tape, his production didn't elevate as much as it should have in 2019, but he was dealing with a lot of injuries at the quarterback position uh, and, and along that offense, so he didn't really have the opportunity to shine. Watching a big-body player like him, he is a steal in the sixth round out of Stanford. I would, well, row my boat to the podium a little bit faster, I guess, to, to make this selection all day long, and you can create some matchup nightmares with him, Gesicki, Parker, and Preston Williams all on the field at the same time. You're going to be throwing to some trees out there and letting any quarterback succeed. I went with tight end as well here because what's interesting about your pick is that it, Parkinson could, if something happened to Gesicki, you replace him with somebody like Gesicki. In fact, Lance Zerline from NFL.com actually compared Colby Parkinson to Mike Gesicki. So that could add some quality depth there at that position. I went with a different type of player, LSU tight end Stephen Sullivan, who opened some eyes at Senior Bowl week. And not a lot of people knew who he was. And I was actually surprised he got invited because he was beaten out by Thaddeus Moss as the starting tight end, and Thaddeus Moss should go higher. And for our listeners who know Randy Moss, that's his son. But this is somebody who didn't have a whole heck of a lot of production. I mean, only 12 catches this past year, but you, tight end is a very traits-driven position. I mean, Antonio Gates didn't even play college football. Jimmy Graham caught 17 passes. I'm not saying Sullivan's going to be that type of player, but an overall uh, good guy, team player who's 6'5", 260 pounds, can block in line, and has underrated athleticism, too, that he showed during Senior Bowl week. That's something I, I could certainly do early in the sixth round. Now, in the second part of the sixth round, I finalized the running back position for Miami, a guy that some of our listeners know I'm already high on. A.J. Dillon out of B.C. is a power back monster with finesse. He is a guy that I believe it was 42, 43% of his career starts. He ran for over 150 yards. He can run for you. He never seems to take direct contact only give it when he's running with the ball. And it's amazing watching this guy literally blow people up or run around them, depending on what he wants to do on a given play. And the defenders can never account for exactly what he's going to do, which makes him all the better. So Miami's running game is now settled at, at this point in time. Yeah. So, it, I mean, that could be some great late round value at the running back spot. I went with my next pick in the sixth round with cornerback Javaris Davis out of Auburn. And I was surprised, first of all, because I, I knew who he was even a couple of months ago late in the season when, when a lot of people didn't. But he's somebody who had two interceptions every year of his career at Auburn and then was not invited to the Senior Bowl. And word was that he wasn't going to be invited to the Combine either. He was a last-minute invite to the Senior Bowl goes down there and turns more heads than just about any cornerback there. And so I, I think he's going to rise to the challenge, and he's somebody that is could make it as a seventh or eighth defensive back here in Brian Flores' defense. 
In the seventh round, I actually doubled down at the same position. I know I went there already in the previous rounds, so I'm going to give both of my seventh-round picks back-to-back here. With the first pick that Miami has in the seventh round, I went with Chris Orr, who's a monster blitzer, can play sideline to sideline out of Wisconsin. I'm shocked he's not going higher. I know he's a little bit short, but he's built very solidly at six foot two twenty four. He had, I believe, eleven and a half sacks in twenty nineteen. He jumps lanes very well, uh, blitzes very well, sees the rush, but plays the run and can drop back and pass coverage. Defended five passes and. I can't recall if he – I believe he had one, one interception each of the last two seasons. He is a flat-out football player that can do some utility things. And, again, it's, it's a fit for that Flores defense. Now you've balanced out the Shaq Quarterman pick with a linebacker with speed. Outside of that, I went with Justin Sternod with my second, seventh-round pick. Another linebacker out of Wake Forest, highly productive. The biggest problem with Sternad is he has a tendency to over-pursue at times. He relies a little too much on his speed and hasn't really learned to break himself down at the point of, of contact. Or So he ends up over-pursuing plays. So we're injecting some speed in there at the linebacker position with guys that can tackle reliably, can rush the, the pass lanes or blitz the passer and, and – Miami now has some dynamic special teamers and can can really do a lot of fun, creative things on defense with some of these guys we've added here. With my seventh-round picks to f- end, f- finally end uh, this mock draft, 14 picks, good Lord. My 13th pick in the seventh round is going to be Malcolm Perry, the wide receiver out of Navy, 5'10", 182 pounds, he was the quarterback at Navy, and he's going to be transitioning to wide receiver in the NFL. It was a surprise that he was not invited uh, to the NFL draft combine. He was actually regarded as a snub by the athletics uh, uh, Dane Brugler. But if he has the opportunity to test out and shows the ability to transition from quarterback to wide receiver, kind of like a, a poor man's Randall Cobb, then maybe he has the opportunity to do that and compete for a, a roster spot with the Dolphins. And my final pick, and we're keep in mind, we're getting close to the undrafted free agent, so it's pretty out of character for the Dolphins and Brian Flores to draft a player like this, but it's C.J. O'Grady from Arkansas. And he was constantly getting suspended from Arkansas, eventually left the team. But you want to talk about physical skills. If he had stayed on the straight path, you'd probably be talking about a second or third round draft choice. That's a risk worth taking late in the seventh round. I mean, you'll look at last year with Preston Williams, where he didn't get in as much trouble as a C.J. O'Grady did, but he had a share of problems at Tennessee, only played one full year at Colorado State, and so worth the risk here at the end of the seventh round. Paul, we're finally done with the seventh seven-round mock draft, 28 players, so I'll put you on the spot here. Looking at your whole mock draft, what is a position you look at and say, man, oh, man, 14 picks. I can't believe I didn't take one of these guys. For me, it's the wide receiver position. I know Miami doesn't need a wide receiver, but wide receiver is so deep this year that you can get uh, a day one or day two talent on day three and late on day three because of some of the talent that's available. But every time I saw a wide receiver I liked when it was my turn to pick, 
there was somebody I liked a little bit better fit wise for the Dolphins to the point where I ended up with so many fits that when you look at the seventh round, you're like, well, you drafted your second and third linebacker there. I didn't have any more needs at that point in time. It's amazing to me how, how much I was able to rebuild this team with two free agents and just the draft picks that Miami has. And the way the board fell and the way I like some of these players, I was able to realistically put together a team here that can compete in 2020, not just get out on the field and be ready for all those picks they've got in next year's draft. This is the team that can go out and compete in 2020 for a playoff spot with the Patriots unsure at the quarterback position and several others losing offensive linemen and defensive players, you name it. And, and with the Jets just being a gaslit cluster and a Bills team that's not there yet as much as well as they did last year, this is a team that could do really well. But I am surprised I didn't get to that wide receiver spot. What about you? You know, it's amazing looking at this depth chart over the last six months and how we've trained our brains to, like, we're pulling people off the street. <laughs> so it's we've gotten almost completely away from the depth chart. And now, during this exercise, you draft 14 players, you add two unrestricted free agents, and the Dolphins are going to add more with all the cap room they have. You can actually put NFL-caliber players on and stack NFL-caliber players on top of them. So... I'm excited, too, to to have done this whole thing. But to answer your question, Edge, I didn't take a inside linebacker or an outside linebacker uh, anywhere in this 3-4 defense. But I don't really regret it either because when you look at it, uh, my top three guys on the defensive line, you've got Epineza, Gotchaw, and Christian Wilkins. And in the secondary, the top five guys are Xavier Howard at cornerback, Byron Jones at the Xavier McKinney at free safety, Eric Rowe at strong safety, and Bobby McCain as the nickelback. And you still have guys like Jamal Wilson, Nick Needham as your sixth and seventh defensive back. So I don't regret having that because I think they're going to probably pick up a player along the way. And linebacker tends to, in this New England-style defense, be that anticipatory, instincts-driven type of role. And I, I think that that's going to continue to be that at the linebacker spot. And that's going to do well, it. Before before we wrap up here, Kat, one thing I want to add as well, uh, just looking at things and the way the board played out and, and when I was watching the picks just roll by, I wouldn't be shocked if Miami at least attempts to either package Rashad and a late-round pick or if they can manage to do it with just Rashad Miami tries to get somewhere back into that third round because there is a great deal of talent that I watched fall at, off the board in the third round that I'm like, oh, I love that guy. God, I want that guy. Jeez, I love that guy. And with Miami picking at the beginning of the, first, the third round and then not selecting again until way back in the compensatories in the fourth round, there's a lot of talent that's slipping and sliding off the board there. So I wouldn't see, be surprised to see Miami do a couple of things to get into that gap that they've currently got between the beginning of the third and end of the fourth. Yeah, I noticed a big gap there, too. I mean, you're talking about 70 or so picks between, you know, the Dolphins' third-round pick and the fourth-round pick they're expecting to get uh, for Jawan James. As far as Rashad Jones, is, I mean, Dolphins are probably going to have to spend a pick to uh, 
eat up. There are, excuse me, they're going to have to. They they might be in a situation where they can they can open their wallets and give some money and get a third round pick back or a fourth round pick back. We've seen them do something like that before. Um, so we'll see, and it'll be interesting to see if that if that occurs. That will do it for our breakdown and our seven round. What would we do? Miami Dolphins mock draft. You're listening to Cat and Paul on the Fen side. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store on the If it's not on the right right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fen side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the Fen side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the Fen side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.